You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hello, Dolphin fans. This is Aaron the Brain, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of The Monologue. We're just four days away from the start of the 2021 NFL Draft, and I'm getting pumped. At this point, teams are finalizing their draft boards, narrowing down all of their strategies for the hundreds of different permutations that could take place on Thursday night. From a fan's perspective, we've listened to all of the experts break down hundreds of prospects. If you're anything like me, dozens of which we've either never watched or heard of, But we still all kind of put our own private draft boards together with our own personal ideas of what the Dolphins should do in this incredibly important upcoming draft. So that's what I'm going to do for you today on this show. It's not going to be a draft board per se, but I'd like to give you my plan for how I believe Chris Greer and and Brian Flores should attack this thing. Before I do, though, I would like to remind all of you to go to DolphinsTalk.com. We're proudly part of the ever-growing DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Make sure to head there every day for all of the Dolphins content you crave. Whether it's news, analysis, videos, podcasts, or more, DolphinsTalk.com is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. While you're there, you can also check out the same old Dolphin Show. That's the podcast I do regularly with my brother from the exact same brother, Josh Katzker. You can all you can also follow us as well as all of the other great shows on the DolphinsTalk.com podcast next podcast network on the YouTube channel, Dolphins Talk. So all right, let's dig into this. By now, y'all know Miami is holding the number six pick. And it is presumed that picks one, two, and three will all be quarterbacks with Trevor Lawrence going to Jacksonville, Zach Wilson going to the Jets, and either Justin Fields or Mac Jones going to the 49ers. The draft gets interesting at number four with the Falcons, but no matter what Atlanta and Cincinnati do with picks four and five respectively, Miami will have multiple great options on the board for them at six. For me... The conversation at number six revolves around the pass catchers. Yes, Miami does have some unanswered questions on the offensive line, but Miami also invested heavily in their offensive line last season and has continued to add pieces this offseason as well. The recent addition of DJ Fluker should further cement that their offensive line, as far as the tackle position, is probably cemented they could still use some help on the interior. But even if Penny Sewell was to fall to Miami at six, I want no part of it. This is the offseason to invest in weapons for Tua Tagovailoa. And this spot in the draft is just too valuable to let it fall to the wayside without getting a premium one. Now that said... Let's say that all four of the elite pass catching options are there at number six for Miami. Or let's say even three of the four, if if one of those four options should go to either Atlanta or Cincinnati with the fourth or fifth pick. I would not be opposed to Miami trading down, let's say to number nine, if the Denver Broncos wanted to give up good value to move up for a quarterback. 
Whether it's Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, or Devontae Smith, I'd be happy with any of them. And if we can get one of them at number nine and pick up an extra two or maybe even a one for next year, sign me up. As for my personal preference, this is how I'd rank the pass catchers. Number one, Jamar Chase. Number two, Jalen Waddell. Number three, Devontae Smith, and number four, Kyle Pitts. I know a lot of people have Pitts, you know, ranked right at the top of that list. Here's here's my thinking on that. The reason I have Pitts fourth on the list, and again, I'd be happy if, if he was the pick, but the reason I have Pitts fourth on the list is simply because while he may be the most talented player of the bunch, He just isn't a huge departure from what Miami already has on the roster. If he's a tight end, then we have two Mike Kosickis. Sure. It's exciting to think about the mismatches that that can present, but you know what's not exciting to think about, but also necessary? Needing your tight ends to block. Having two tight ends that are liabilities as blockers doesn't really seem to fit Miami's desire to be a smash mouth offensive team. Let's say he's a wide receiver. Okay, then what's the huge difference between him and Devontae Parker or Preston Williams? It would just be redundant at that point. That said, I do believe Pitts would be an upgrade over all of Miami's current pass catchers. So if he is indeed the top pass catcher on Miami's board, I won't hate the pick. It would just mean that Miami still has a need to address at the wide receiver position. If they don't go Pitts at six or wherever they end up picking, you can throw those other three guys in a hat and I'm happy with whoever they come up with. But I rank them the way that I did because I feel that is in order of safety. Chase's athletic profile and production are impossible to ignore and I'm not holding anything against a player that did not suit up in 2020 given the state of the world and the and the pandemic. Waddle. He brings a different element of speed and explosiveness to the table. In many ways, he's the most exciting prospect. And he would likely also immediately be a premier return man as well. But he was never a true number one in Alabama's offense in college. And that concerns me. Devontae Smith, he's probably the most polished product of of them all. Uh, you, you certainly can't deny the production of his unbelievable Heisman winning season either. He's got the, he's probably the best route runner of the bunch, best hands of the bunch, but the concerns about his size are legit and they're enough to have me favor the other guys ahead of him. That said, once again, I'd just like to reiterate any of these four guys I'm super stoked with if Miami comes up with, with their first pick. So let's move on to number 18. At number 18, Miami may very well have the option of taking either the top edge defender or the top running back on the board. It is rare that a team has such an opportunity to have the top players available at two positions of need this late in the draft, but it is more than just a fair possibility that all of Quiddy Pay. Jalen Phillips, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Javante Williams will be there at 18. It's even possible 
that linebacker Micah Parsons is available at 18 as well. If that happens, I make the pick in less than a minute. Uh, I, I'm picking Parsons all day if he falls to 18. Parsons would not only potentially be the long-term solution for a dynamic off-ball linebacker, but he also projects perfectly in the Kyle Van Noy role while being a vastly superior athlete compared to Van Noy. With that, you're getting a guy that can do virtually everything at the linebacker position, not unlike Dante Hightower in New England. If Parsons doesn't fall, this pick gets really interesting for me. I've gone back and forth on it myself. Uh, do we go running back? Do we go edge? The, the best possible scenario would be for Miami to go with an edge at 18 and then have one of those big three running backs fall to them at 36. The problem with this strategy is that while it would absolutely be a home run scenario if it plays out, there's no guarantee that it will. There's no guarantee that those running backs all make it or that any of them make it to number 36. The Jets, Steelers, Jaguars, and Bills could all conceivably go running back. And the Jets and Jaguars in particular each have two picks between Miami's picks at 18 and 36. So that means there are six potential landmines that could blow up this strategy for Miami. And that doesn't even factor in the potential for another team trading up for one of those backs. A year after playing the waiting game at running back and failing, I say, let's get our guy. If it's Najee Harris, great. If it's ETN or Williams, I'm fine with that too. Just get your guy. I will say this though. If you can find a partner to trade down a few spots, let's say Indy at 21 or Tennessee at 22, I would absolutely love to pick up an extra third or fourth round pick and still be in position to get one of the elite running backs. Miami has three more picks slated for day two of the draft, and they'll get started pretty early on Friday with pick number 36. Now, if Miami did go edge with 18, the hope would obviously be for one of the three backs to still be available here. If they are, it's a no-brainer. If they aren't, the value just isn't here to take a running back at pick 36. So the value would then shift to one of two places. It could shift to the offensive line or perhaps to another pass catcher, especially if Miami went Kyle Pitts with their first selection. In this scenario... Miami would potentially be looking at their pick of the litter when it comes to the class's best centers. Being that Miami has merely put band-aids on that position the last two seasons, this is definitely an area of need, and this is the early part of the strike zone to target it. One of, one of Landon Dickerson or Creed Humphrey should be there at 36, and if Miami has already added a pass catcher and an edge, and the running back value isn't there, getting an elite center would be a nice consolation. However, if Miami does go the running, the running back route at 18, this could be a spot where Miami is making the decision between either a tier two edge defender, like a Gregory Rousseau, a Joe Tryon, Joseph Osai, or, or Jason Owe, and the top tier centers that I mentioned before. So this would be an interesting call, and it would tell us a lot about how Miami's brass 
values each of these positions. Because Miami generates a lot of pressure from their scheme as opposed to generating pressure just from sheer talent, and because there are other solid edge choices that should be available later, this spot seems perfect to add an elite center. Miami picks next next at number 50. And assuming Miami has already added a pass catcher, if Miami did go edge and running back at 18 and 36, the hope will be that one of those elite centers falls to them here at 50. It's possible. Whether or not it's likely, that's debatable. If if that happens, Miami will likely be in a spot where they're looking at adding another receiver or reaching a bid on a small school prospect like Quinn Miners. Miners is from D3 Wisconsin Whitewater, which also happens to be the alma mater of Dolphins co-offensive coordinator Eric Studsville. Miami's staff also worked with Miners at the Senior Bowl, and he has the size and style to fit what Miami is looking for at the position. Miners would be a bit of a reach here, but Miami might not get a shot at him at pick number 81. And if they truly love him and Humphrey and Dickerson are gone, it might just be worth it to to reach a little bit to get Miners at 50 uh, because he might not be there again at pick 81. Of course, if Miami did grab Dickerson or Humphrey with pick 36, This would be another spot to consider grabbing the best edge off the board. Options here would be Carlos Basham Jr., Peyton Turner, and Ronnie Perkins. This would also be another spot to consider wide receiver if Miami had decided to go with the Kyle Pitts route with their first pick. Options there would include Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore, Kadarius Toney, among others. If Miami struck out on the running back waiting game at number 36, I don't expect them to take a running back at 36. I don't expect them to take a running back at 50 if it's not one of those three. So pick 81 is where I'd start looking to address the position again. And the guy here would be Ohio State's Trey Sermon. If Miami did settle that spot earlier in the draft though, and they got their edge and center as well, the grand slam scenario, Uh, then they really could go just about anywhere with this pick. It's a great spot to be in. Uh, And and there, that might be a good spot then to to double down on receiver. Or again, if they had gone the the Kyle Pitts route, then it's it's a no-brainer to to pick up an actual pure wide receiver with this pick. A wide receiver they could target would be North Carolina's Deame Brown. They also could be looking at nickel corners, guards, and linebackers with this selection. Once you get into day three, you're really looking at taking flyers on high upside guys, filling in some of the gaps. Ultimately, this draft, like most, will hinge on hitting on the picks from days one and day two. Miami has an opportunity, again, to conceivably end up with the top pass catcher on their board, the top edge defender on their board, the top center on their board, and one of the top three running backs on their board. If that happens, it will have been an absolute grand slam of a draft. If it doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad draft either. Miami is in a great spot with five picks in the top 81. They could potentially get more if they maneuver some trades. 
whether they do or not, if they hit on those picks, regardless of position, it will go a long way towards making Miami a serious contender immediately as well as in the future. That's my show for tonight. I hope you enjoyed this exercise. Make sure you like, rate, and review The Same Old Dolphin Show on iTunes. Make sure you give me a follow on Twitter at AaronTheBrain. That's at AARonTheBrain. And make sure that you are ready for a fun three days of the NFL Draft. Until next time, I'm Aaron the Brain. Go Dolphins!